Welcome to episode 29 of Father and Son Watch Horror Movies. I am your co-host, The Father, a.k.a. Pastor Matt, a.k.a. Matt Rawlings, and I'm joined, as always, by my trusty co-host. Jackson, the son, and unlike the real Academy, we've actually seen the movies we're going to be talking about today. (laughs) Yep, I can't argue with that. Uh, We'll talk about that in a minute. So, uh, just be forewarned, we are a spoiler podcast. We spoil the movies we discuss. But this week, something a little different. Now, when I grew up, I watched Siskel and Ebert religiously, and though I often disagreed with them, for example, Siskel gave thumbs down to Scream, but thumbs up to Scream 2, which I like, you know, I like, love both of them, but that's a strange choice, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, definitely weird. Uh, I still love the show, and they would do an episode every year called If We Picked the Oscars. Now, the Oscars, as we're recording this, will air next week, and I watch every year for some reason. Uh, <laughs> but we are we are making our horror Oscar picks today. So, um, it, it, like Siskel and Ebert, we will introduce a category, uh, one of the so-called top categories, and then we will talk about our picks. We don't know what selections each has made, right? Mm-hmm. So, I did get to fill out an Oscar ballot uh, one year. This follows with what you were saying. It was uh, for films from 1990, so it was late 90, early 91, uh, for my late great boss, Jerry Lieber, who was a songwriter extraordinaire and was an Academy member. It was a highlight of my life to be able to fill out an Academy ballot, but as you were saying, he was an Academy member who never went to the movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, yep. he had me fill it out. He was like, I haven't seen anything this year. You do it. Um, so... That's uh, you. You probably right there. And I think Will Ferrell actually did a skit on that a few years ago and Kristen Wiig. So so mm-hmm. let's jump right in with best supporting actress in a horror movie from 2019. Jackson, what is your pick for best supporting actress? Well, my pick, uh, I had to really think about it because I wasn't sure going into this category what this would even entail. But what I settled on was Aubrey Plaza from Child's Play. Wow. Um, now, that beat out two of my runner-ups, which were Sherry Moon Zombie from Three from Hell and uh, Kelly Riley from Eli. Those are my two other supporting actress picks. But I think Aubrey Plaza, you know, she just steals the show with whatever she's in, and I love her. Wow. All right. Aubrey Plaza from Child's Plays. Jackson's pick. Mine is... Andy McDowell from Ready or Not. I had the uh, feeling she would come up at some point. I loved the way that she portrayed both menace and seemingly authentic, you know, care and love like a real mom. You mm-hmm. know, um, I heard someone say years ago, you know, on the kind of um, uh, scale there is, you know, um, cowards, heroes, and then moms, right? That if you threaten their child, you know, hell hath no fury. That's when hell hath really no fury. So what were your thoughts on Andy McDowell and Ready or Not? Well, she gave a great performance. I did think that she was a highlight of that movie for sure. And I hadn't really even considered her while while thinking about this pick. That might change up at least my runner-ups, at least my nominations. But I think I'm sticking by Aubrey Plaza. Right. it's hey, it's a solid pick. She was a, I thought a brave choice um, for that role. I did like the Child's Play remake a little bit more than others did. I don't think it compares with the original, even though I'm not no. a huge Chucky fan. That's not my, yeah. um, but I still thought it was kind of different. I liked it, mm-hmm. um, and so, but you know, then again, I liked the Pet Cemetery remake too. Yeah. So um, I thought it was better than Child's Play three. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> The racist child's play three. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, yeah. I think that's a safe bet. Yeah, yeah. No, no joke. All right. So unlike the Academy, which moves at a snail's pace. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Pomp and circumstance. Oh, man. Um, let's move right on to our picks for best supporting actor mm-hmm. in a horror movie from 2019. Jackson, rip open your envelope and let's hear it. My pick is Willem Dafoe from The Lighthouse. Um, Someone argued that he's not supporting. He's just as uh, Lee. He's like a Lee character, just like Robert Pattinson. But I have him as supporting actor just because I think there's less character development in him than Robert Pattinson. He's more of a character. 
in the in the film more of a like a 2d character but entertaining at that he does a great job long monologues and this really weird accent and uh disabilities that may or may not be real he's just a just a really wild uh kind of literary character in a way yeah it is kind of it's kind of sold as a co-lead right pattinson and defoe are kind of sold as a as a co-lead so that's how i kind of ran with it but i completely understand where you're coming from and i can't argue with it um i I love willem defoe and and i think he actually pulled off the accent and and some actors should not do accents kevin costner and robin hood um yeah exactly and i think robert pattinson had a little bit more trouble with it in the white house as much as i loved his performance he was really flipping in and out of different accents but i think that might be part of his character and that you're not really sure when he's telling the truth who he really is because he changes names kind of halfway through the movie um and i just want to mention really quick my runner-ups for best supporting actor i mean it was a tight race we got bill Hader from it chapter two uh patrick schwarzenegger from daniel wasn't real and will poulter from midsummer so it was a tight race but i think willem dafoe uh takes the lead here well funny you should uh bring some of those folks up because <laughs> my pick is one that i thought was honestly robbed of an academy award nomination this year i i, I really did because I'm going with Bill Hader from It Chapter 2. I thought he was incredible. And I say this with all due sincerity. I watch all kinds of movies, not just horror movies. So that's probably 50% of all the genre movies I watch. Mm-hmm. But I thought Bill Hader deserved an Academy Award nomination. Oh, yeah. I, he was amazing in the movie. And I think the reason that... Uh, he deserves recognition is because he so perfectly portrays a growing up Richie. I mean, he saw Finn Wolfhard's uh, performance and he just nailed it. And we know that he's a great uh, impressionist, that he can nail like little things about somebody and do, do an amazing impression like he did on Saturday Night Live and various other comedy shows and movies. But um, he did a great job. And I think he's really faithful to the book character. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, he moves from being absolutely hysterical to being, even though he doesn't have, in my opinion, the best line in the movie, the funniest line in the movie, which is, you know, cut the mullet. It's been 30 years. Um, but <laughs> yep, that's Eddie. <laughs> but um, I just, I, I, yeah, I'm a big Bill Hader fan, but I thought this was his best role. I thought he just absolutely mm-hmm. nailed it. I understand why people had, you know, kind of a mixed reaction to it, chapter two, but somebody you shouldn't overlook someone's performance because you think the movie was uneven right yeah i would definitely agree and and his heartfelt moments in that movie were just you know heartbreaking that scene where he's crying with all his friends surrounding him just oh. absolutely uh you know tear wrenching you know terrible oh. stuff yeah that and that should have been the ending but anyway yeah um... exactly there were 30 <laughs> after that <laughs> If it ended there, it would have had one of the strongest openings and strongest endings of any horror mm-hmm. movie of the year. But, oh, well. So let's keep it going because we are not the Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on to uh, uh, Best Actress. Uh, now, I know there's a debate going on. Should we keep gender categories? Um, I know that's an open question. And I, in my opinion, we probably will get to a place where the Academy and even the Golden Globes just say best performance. Mm-hmm. Um, but for now, we're going to stick with the categories presented by the Academy. We're obviously not going to sp- pick with their choices because they suck, but we yep. are going to uh, stick with the category. So who is your choice for best actress in a horror movie for 2019? This was tough. This is probably the one... Uh, other than Best Actor, this is probably the one that I wrestled with the most. And what I came up with was Florence Pugh for Midsummer. Um, nice. She gave an emotionally devastating performance. You could tell that her heart was in it 110%. And um, I really sympathized with her, I think. And she beat out, here are my, my runner-ups, just to give you some perspective. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o from Us and Samara Weaving from Ready or Not. Those were my two other nominees for this category. But Florence Pugh took the, took the cake for me. Um, she was absolutely amazing in Midsummer, and I can't wait to see what she does in the future. I know she's in that new Black Widow movie, so we'll see how that that turns out. Oh, I didn't know she was in the new Black Widow movie. Mm-hmm. Apparently, she's Black Widow's sister, so there you go. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I can't argue with your pick. She is solid, but I think you mine is probably no surprise mm-hmm. yeah. to you because she, like Tony Collette last year, like Bill Hader this year, was yep. also robbed 
and she is, of course, Lupita Nyong'o for mm-hmm. us. I mean, she plays two different characters and nails them both. I mean, it's hard enough for an actor, if you've been on set, to get into character for one character. Right. But for two and to nail them both. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. It definitely was masterful and, and definitely... Uh... I think sold people on the movie. There were definitely a lot of people who were complaining about plot inconsistencies, about the writing. But I think universally people can agree that she did a great job. Oh, well, there are no plot inconsistencies. They're, they're wrong. <laughs> it's, it's I would love to see your, your novelization of us explaining all the little, you know, the little uh, jumps in between events in the movie. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. But now... <laughs> um, so now, you know, you mentioned it before that you had a tough time with this. So mm-hmm. now we come to best actor for horror film from 2019. And I have a, you know, I thought I was going to have a pretty good guess of who you would select. But yeah. now I'm not so sure. So go for it. I wasn't so sure either. And this one might surprise you. Best actor for me is Takayuki Hamatsu from One Cut of the Dead. The director oh. of One Cut of the Dead. He is my best actor for the year, and that's because I rewatched it recently. And his performance was amazing. It was, you know, heartwarming. It was hilarious. Um, just seeing him go through all these ups and downs of this troubled production, and uh, I'll leave it at that. My runner, my runner-ups for this category were Robert Pattinson, as I mentioned before, from The Lighthouse, and Miles Robbins from Daniel Wasn't Real, uh, who I thought did a really good job. Um, in the beginning, he's kind of like a normal. Uh, college kid, you know, just kind of going through the motions. And then by the end, he's embodying these two different characters in that uh, the main character and Patrick Schwarzenegger's character, he's kind of channeling that through, sort of like a split situation. But um, yeah, that, that's my pick. Well, I can't, I, I can't argue with that, but uh, I will admit that I was completely sold by the marketing and mine is Willem Dafoe for The Lighthouse, <laughs> who... I also thought was robbed, and I say that with all due sincerity. When I say robbed, I mean they were robbed of an Oscar nomination. I understand that this year it seems like a um, sealed deal that Renee Zellweger will win Best Actress for Judy and that Brad Pitt will win Best Supporting Actor for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So I, I get that, and Laura Dern will probably win Best Supporting Actress. That seems like a given. Um, I understand all that, but I'm just saying they should have been nominated. At, mm-hmm. at, at least, especially when I look at the list of people who were nominated, like we both loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yep, absolutely. Uh, it's a fun movie. It's a great movie. But it, it, to be just honest, I didn't think I thought Leonardo Di- DiCaprio was good. I didn't think yep. he was amazing in it. Not his best performance for sure. And Brad Pitt definitely outshined him, which is why I think he's getting more recognition among critics. Um, but Leonardo DiCaprio did a good job. We can't, we can't, uh, kind of leave him behind, but he wasn't the highlight of the movie. No, 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 no. I, and so, and as far as my, you know, my runner, yeah, I wrestled with this as well because I gave a lot of thought to uh, Song Kang Ho for Parasite. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought he was amazing as the dad in, in, in Parasite. Um, also I thought Ewan McGregor in Dr. Sleep was, was superb. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm not I, a big Owen McGregor fan, but I thought mean, he was great in it. I I am a fan, but um, the reason that I think he wasn't my pick is, I don't know, I don't I don't feel like they they did him justice. I, I'm gonna say it right now. He did a great job in the movie, but I think that if he was just given the reins to really hone in his Danny impression, we would have like fulfilled a bunch of childhood fantasies for him that day. Well, maybe. I, you know, I don't know how he feels about The Shining. I haven't read anything about it, but I do, you know, um, I, I did think he was really good in it. I do think he was outshined in his scenes with Rebecca Ferguson yep, as I would the agree. hat. Yeah. Um, she was amazing. But going back to Andy McDowell, Rebecca Ferguson was somebody I gave serious consideration to Best Supporting Actress because I thought she was, mm-hmm. man, when she was menacing, she was really menacing. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that brought kind of character to a character from the book that I didn't really care for. I mean, Rose the Hat wasn't really a, a compelling villain to me in the book, but the way she's portrayed on screen is absolutely like a great villainous character. 
Yeah, I didn't like the book at all. And that's why mm-hmm. I was shocked by how much I liked um, the movie. But right. And, of course, it was, if you go back and listen to our top ten, Dr. Sleep is on both of our top tens, right? Right, right, yeah. And I know you're a big Flanagan fan, so and he's he's certainly on a roll. Maybe not financially, but artistically, no. he's on a roll. Yeah. Um, let's hope that the director's cut sells well, so that uh, that's mm-hmm. not a knock against him. But because uh, there's a tendency in Hollywood when a director makes a flop, it doesn't mean he won't get another gig, but it kind of means the producers may boss him around a little bit more and keep him on right. a tight leash. Which is crazy given his track record. Yeah, and especially with Haunting of Hill House alone. I mean, yep. that's... Yeah. And Ger- uh, Gerald's Game, which yeah. I thought is probably one of his best. Yeah, absolutely. I can't argue with that. So let's move on to a um, category I know is near and dear to your heart, and that's Best Screenplay. Mm-hmm. So what is your pick for Best Screenplay for a horror film from 2019? I think this will surprise you, this pick, um, given how I reacted to it when we watched it together my pick for best screenplay is Harpoon. Um, wow. Written by Rob Grant. Uh, looking back on it, it was written really cleverly. I think the comedy was on point. Uh, the drama was on point. I did not see where it was going. And I think the writing was the best part uh, of that movie. The performances were all pretty above average. Um, I would say that the, the editing was pretty good too. But I think the writing was really good on that one. Uh, my runner-up for this was Lords of Chaos because I thought that was written really well. It's not a straight horror movie, but I would say that the scenes in there are a lot scarier than a lot of the Netflix horror movies that are just dumped onto there every day. So, um, yeah, but but Harpoon is my pick. All right, that does surprise me. It, it did make uh, my list. I was really struggling with three movies here, but in the end, I had to go again with Us by mm-hmm. Jordan Peele. I just love the way he layers his screenplays, and I love the... You know, every, the, the, he just goes over it with a fine-tooth comb, but at the same time, it's not heavy-handed, and I love that. Right. Well, we'll get to see where he goes. Is he writing uh, Candyman next year, or is that just a producer role? He is producing, and he co-wrote it. Okay. Okay, so yeah, so we'll, we'll get to see where he evolves, I guess, from us and Get Out. I do agree that he is a very skilled writer, and we saw that back when he was a comic. I mean, he is absolutely hilarious. Um, but also really talented dramatically. So that my pick was Harpoon, yours is us. That's an interesting kind of a duality between Harpoon, which is basically a black comedy, and us, which is a straight horror film. Yeah, you know, I know that um, a lot of people have expressed, you know, that they they think it's unduly complicated, and mm-hmm. they don't like the rather kind of brief explanation for what strikes them as kind of a ridiculous situation. But sure. the the background of it, the inspiration for it, is a Twilight Zone episode mm-hmm. about a Doppelinger at a bus station. Um, and Jordan Peele, uh, if I remember this correctly, was the first Twilight Zone episode he'd ever seen. And he was young, and it scared him. Mm-hmm. And his mother, who kind of nurtured his love of horror movies, would play this game where he would come home and say, Mom, and she'd turn around with, like, eyes like Lupita Nyong'o and and go, mom's not here right now. Oh, man. And that was kind of the inspiration for it. And I think that's kind of cool myself. Mm -hmm. And and you can think about it. I mean, do you you have Doppelinger suddenly show up and start killing people? What kind of explanation are you going to give? Yeah, I think maybe the the reason that people were up in arms about this movie is that Get Out was so grounded, maybe not so much in the scientific side of things, but uh, for the majority of the movie, it was very realistic, uh, like a representation of the tensions between races and, um, you know, all the stuff that ensues with that. And then us, we have almost a sci-fi movie in some aspects, and people just weren't ready for it. Yeah, well, it made a crap ton of money. I mean, it made yeah. over two hundred million, and it deserves it. I I will not fight that at all. It deserves it. I think Jordan Peele is a genius, but I still think that Get Out is a superior film, not just because of the screenplay, but um, the performances and everything. Not going to discredit Lupita Nyong'o though; she was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely, and I I, I hope that Jordan Peele you know, uh, gets back to it. I know he takes his time. And so, um, he avoided the sophomore slump and, mm-hmm. but he's not really, as far as I can see on record to direct anything soon. He's producing a couple of Amazon prime series and he's mm-hmm. got Candyman coming out, but I really hope 
that he gets back behind the director's chair and does another horror movie. I really hope so. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of that, it's time for best director. And I have a hunch where you're going. You probably do for me as well. But who is your choice for best director? My pick is Robert Eggers, The Lighthouse. Uh, I don't know. Everything I've seen from this guy is really fascinating. Just, I mean, obviously The Witch, but also interviews of him where he's talking about his devotion to bringing these period pieces which are as accurate as humanly possible. I mean, he's got a real eye for detail, and The Lighthouse was astounding. As I mentioned, it was number one for me for 2019, so that, that should tell you how much I love it. My runner-ups were Ari Aster for Midsummer and Jordan Peele for Us. Yeah, and I should say, as far as screenplay, you know, when I was wrestling with it, it, I really gave a lot of consideration to Parasite, Tigers Are Not Afraid, um, One Cut of the Dead also, because that's mm-hmm. that's a fantastic screenplay. I mean, where it goes. Um, but getting back to directing, mine is no surprise. It's Jordan Peele for us. Um, mm-hmm. I love the, the attention to detail, the cinematography, the way he directs his cast his incredible timing, which he undoubtedly picked up from his years in comedy. He is a great director, and I can't sit, wait to see what he does in the future. Yep, can't argue with you. Again, Jordan Peele, one of my favorites. But I can't argue with yours either. I mean, Robert Eggers, I was really, I remember for just a few minutes going to see The Lighthouse and thinking, did the, did the projectionist screw something up? And then it <laughs> took me a minute to realize... No, he's shooting in, in a silent movie aspect. And, yep. man, a wide-release movie, a soft, your sophomore effort following The Witch, and you decide to take a risk like that. Yep. And it's a, it's a gutsy story anyway. It's like this, you know, David Lynchian kind of take on right. madness and black and white. And, and to cast Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson, that took a lot of guts. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that fascinated me, about the production of this movie is that he was so devoted to getting everything right to to not having anything that would be out of period that he bought a $26,000 lighthouse like glass cover to keep it realistic for the time period instead of just having a regular glass covering that nobody would question at all except maybe lighthouse historians or something so uh he is devoted to his craft no doubt and you know <coughs> excuse me the rumor is that, and it's been a rumor for some time, so maybe it's just a rumor, mm-hmm. that his next movie will be a remake of Nosferatu. What do you think of that? Uh, I would love to see that. I don't know if he would do that because it seems like he's got a lot of original ideas in his head and he likes to stick to that kind of thing. But knowing that he likes period pieces, it might be interesting to see him do it set in the 1920s, or I guess it was actually set in the 1800s, uh, the movie itself. But Maybe a, uh, uh, what was that movie called? Shadow of the Vampire style movie. That would be interesting to see. Him Shadow of the Vampire that. starring yeah. who? As Willem Dafoe. Hey, there's a connection. Wow. <laughs> exactly. And, well, you never know. I mean, you could do, um, he could set it in the 20th century. I mean, after all, you had at the, near the end of World War One, you had influenza break out, you know, and kill 50 to 100 million People, which is, of right. course, where Herzog kind of set his, you know, Nosferatu the Vampire, which is kind of in the middle of a plague. So mm-hmm. where the vampire can kind of just run loose because everybody's dying anyway. And so that right. would, that might be interesting. But who knows? Maybe Willem Dafoe will put the teeth back on and the fingernails back on and we'll that'll be awesome. We'll we'll see him re- reprise his role. So, yeah, my my runners up, uh, by the way, you know, the Academy rightly took a lot of heat for not including a more gender-diverse slate of nominees like Greta Gerwig, who I know Greta Gerwig is a, you're a fan of hers. You liked it. was Lady Bird, right? Lady Bird was awesome, yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen Little Women, but I know there's a lot of criticism for it. Let me just say that on my list, my short list of best directors for the year was Issa Lopez for Tigers Are Not mm-hmm. Afraid. So yep. Academy, let we humble horror folk take over, and there will be diversity and we'll be out of there in a tight hour to hit the bar. So how's that, huh? Exactly, yeah. Sounds like a good deal to me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we next come to Best International Horror Film of 2019. And there were, again, a bunch this year. Thank heavens. And this is a great time for horror films that are being imported to the States. Thank you, Shudder, for giving us so many of them. Like, last year we got Terrified. 
mm-hmm. which was incredible. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. And I can't wait to see what Del Toro does mm-hmm. with that. Um, but what is your pick for best international horror film of 2019? Well, let me preface this by saying that I did not see Parasite. I didn't get the chance to see Parasite. We almost saw it, um, but we didn't get to see it. And I I will see that before the month is over. I promise you I will Mm -hmm. see Parasite because it has been one of my most anticipated movies. But my pick for best foreign film is Tigers Are Not Afraid, directed by Issa Lopez. Fantastic film, completely heartbreaking, and also terrifying in a few key scenes. Um if you don't like child endangerment, this is not the movie for you. It's an incredible film. Um, and I listened to Issa Lopez interviewed on the last Shockwaves podcast, talk about it. And um, it's a it's an incredible, you know, interview. If you haven't heard it, she's talks about how she was a, a rom-com writer and director in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Rom-coms. She goes yep. from rom-coms to this. Big leap. For sure. Uh, that shows a lot of a lot of talent. Absolutely. And um, and so, you know, she talks about how, you know, some of these things that she saw and she shot this in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, you know, some of these things I know some people have criticized as being unrealistic. But she said that I I've seen these things. I've talked to people who have been through these things. You know, um, people are disappearing. I mean, it's just it, children are being orphaned this this is happening and the inspiration for it was if there's this much death in the place there must be a lot of ghosts mm-hmm. and you know so you take ghosts you take bloodthirsty drug dealers you take children in danger who have been orphaned uh, either through just brutality or perhaps sex trafficking or or whatever and man oh man it's a powerful powerful film you know i there are parts of it i can't say as strong as parasite or us it was my number three that's why it was number three but it was the only horror film this year that legitimately made me cry yep it was the only movie that made me cry i think uh looking back on it and that's just because you connect with these kids so much and you don't want to see anything bad happen to them because you get to see them happy for just a moment uh, you know, just playing football with each other, um, just running around, having fun. And then they're thrust into this very adult situation and you have to see how they deal with it. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, my pick should be no surprise if you listen to our top 10. It was a tight three-way race. Tigers are not afraid was right there, but it is Parasite. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't wait for you to see it. I think you're going to love it. It is, I, I will tell you, it is like 50% black comedy. If I had to use Jay of the Dead's turns out like using these, but <laughs> like 50% black comedy, 25% drama, 25% horror. Sure. Um, and it, the horror really kicks in at the end, but it's um, though there's some things there. The one thing I will say about parasite who people who don't call it a horror movie, if you follow the news and you see how many people have been able to, you know, weave themselves, kind of sneak themselves into the limelight or into other people's lives and and so forth. Um, it, it is pretty creepy. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw this in Hollywood all the time, you know, with the beggars and hangers on kind of thing. And so it's, I think it's pretty creepy. Um, Love Parasite. Um, I believe it got the SAG Award for Best Ensemble Performance, um, which I think it deserved. I had a hard time you know, not picking, you know, one of them for best performance. And it's hard because when you watch it, they're all, they all give great performances. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. And so close runners up were Tigers are not afraid and one cut of the dead. Um, I liked another foreign film a lot that we tried to discuss last week, but the gremlins and Zencaster <laughs> struck. Yeah. We're, we're back to recording on Skype because I was getting all these emails this week from our software saying, mm, we're having architectural problems. I'm like, what does that mean? Um, yeah, exactly. I, I don't know what that means, but anyway. Um, so it is time, although uh, we can, we're, we're going to touch on a few more categories, but to what film would you give the golden statue or if I had to guess, if you had to design the horror Oscars, the Golden Gill Man, um, <laughs> if you had your druthers, what is what, what movie would you give the horror Oscar to? <sighs> For best picture, um, that's a tough one. Now, you know what my number one of the year was. 
uh, yep. you know all the mo- the movies I've talked about today and the consideration I've given them, and it's really tough. I think all considered, it's going to have to be The White House for me, directed by Robert Eggers. Mm-hmm. But it's so... I mean, the contention is there between Midsummer, Tigers Are Not Afraid, and actually later on it creeped up in there, Daniel Wasn't Real, which upon, you know, mm-hmm. uh, reflection is a very masterful movie, um, which was surprising to me. But I think it's The Lighthouse. I think I'll settle with that. I think I know what yours is going to be, given your top ten list and what you've talked about <laughs> today. But um, that's my Best Picture nominee. Yep, I can't argue with it. It's a great film. It was in my top five. Um, I thought it should have been given more serious consideration when I look at the Oscar nominations for best film. Um, you know, and there are some there are some great films nominated. But I look at a film like Knives Out, which I loved, and Ryan Johnson is is a great director, one of our favorites. I mean, Looper's a great film. Last Jedi is a great film. Knives Out was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure it should have gotten the nominations it did. I wouldn't put it that high. I just thought it was a fun film, you know. But I, I would give it more consideration to us in the Lighthouse. Right. I would say just to you know kind of put my two cents in. I would say that Knives Out, if anything, deserved Best Supporting Actor for Daniel Craig. I don't know about Best Picture though. Yeah. Um, well, mine is of course is Us, and I can't mm-hmm. believe that it did not get the love. I think that the only reason Get Out got the love from the Academy was they saw it as much as a comedy as they did a horror film. Mm -hmm. And whereas us, you could not go into that and not see anything other than a horror film. There's comedy in it, but it's a horror film. And I think that, and we all know, just as like, okay, Shape of Water wins Best Picture, but they didn't see it as a horror film at all. The drama romance. Or just a del Toro fantasy, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's... And so, and they just have an aversion to horror films. I mean, let's let's face it; they just don't like them. They don't go see them. Um, that's the way it is. So, mine is us. Thoughts on us? Well, um, it's not my pick. It wasn't in my nominations, uh, but I can acknowledge that it is an amazing horror movie. Jordan Peele wasn't letting anybody interpret it as anything other than a horror movie this time. I mean, with Get Out, people are like, oh, it's a thriller. It's, it's a black comedy. Um, but then in this one, you have scissors and you send creepy doppelgangers in closets with flames through their face and and uh, weird chase scenes. It's just a, a really scary movie, very visceral, with a lot to say if you're there to decipher it. So can't argue with you, but it's not my pick. Yeah, and there, but there is some comedy in it. I mean, I, and it's it is dark comedy, dark mm-hmm. dark comedy. Like the, I won't spoil it for for anyone who hasn't seen it. We 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 do spoil movies, but I want people to see us so badly um, <laughs> that I want them to rewatch it. On rewatch, like Get Out, you pick up so many more things. But um, you know, the scene where I'll just put it this way: um, Alexa misinterprets something and plays NWA. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yep. You know that I thought that was I thought that was funny, even though you know what's going on. So, all right. So those are our picks in the top categories. But we want to throw this open to both of us to what other categories do you want to discuss? What what you know movies this year said? Oh man, that part of that film we need to discuss. Well, I have a couple down here. Go for um, it. Best score is one that I usually pay a lot of attention uh, to. Somehow I knew you as a musician yeah. would hone in on um, that. My pick for best score is Midsummer by the Hacks and Cloak. That was, those are the people that composed it. Um, my runner-ups were uh, the Child's Play soundtrack by Bear McCreary, and he always does a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, every movie that I've seen him work on, he worked on Godzilla, King of the Monsters, too, and I think that was a really strong part of that movie. I mean, of course, they used the original Godzilla theme, finally, in that movie. Um <laughs> But uh, Midsummer edges it out for me just because of how creepy, disturbing, um, very tribal and visceral kind of soundtrack that is. It's full of uh, moans and wails and screams. It's just uh, disturbing. You can't really sit down and listen to it and enjoy it like, oh, this is pleasant. But it does work for the movie to completely unsettle you to send chills down your spine. So that's my pick for best score. Any thoughts on that? I can't argue with it. I did notice that when we saw it, and and and, and Ari Aster, like Jordan Peele, I think uses scores very, very well. Mm-hmm. 
And so, no, I, I do like that score a lot. I will get around one of these days when I have the time. It's probably going to be a holiday um, to watch in the director's cut. Uh, so because I do want to see that I'm intrigued to see it again. I've only seen it once. You know, you and I saw it together. My only complaints were I thought it dragged at times, but yeah, but it's long. It's long. And I thought there's some stuff that could have been cut. Not a whole lot, just like maybe five, mm-hmm. 10 minutes that could have been cut. But but what right. is what is strong is so strong. Mm-hmm. and so disturbing yeah definitely and a standout moment of the score for me is the garage scene if you know what i'm talking about i do um that scene with the music and the slow building cinematography and the screams from our main character danny um just absolutely haunting and a ter- like a terrifying way to start out a movie where you're just having this kind of playful conversation between people and then that's thrown on you not fun at all. I think Hereditary probably was a slower build to horror. It was more of a drama and uh, kind of like a dark, dark drama at that in the beginning. Then it built the horror, but Midsummer really just slaps you in the face when you sit down for it. So that's my pick for best score. Um, another category I have that we didn't talk about was best editing. And this one was this one was hard for me. I have Bliss down here, 2019's Bliss. Oh. Um, which is one of my favorites of the year. I think it was, uh, at least in my honorable mentions, just because it's a different take on something that we've seen so many times. Um, it is, I guess, not not to spoil it, it is a, a monster movie of sorts. I guess you could say that about any horror movie. Um, but it's from the perspective of the monster. So great movie with amazing editing really disturbing how it uses like slow zooms into stuff with inner you know splicing other clips of of memories happening kind of vague but i don't want to spoil it for anybody so bliss is my pick for best editing looking at my list it doesn't look like i have anything else that we haven't really talked about i mean best cinematography for me, this is one that you might appreciate. Us yep. is my pick there. Yes. Um, with uh, Mike, Mike Julaki. <laughs> I don't know if I'm saying <laughs> Julaki. I don't know if I'm saying that right. It sounds French. Anyways, Us is my pick for best cinematography with runner-up Three from Hell because I thought that that ending was amazing. Um, and I think that's it. Those are all my categories. That is what I would have picked for the Oscars. Well, my was score. I can't argue with hereditary. It's between that and us, I think. And, and, and you know, and and you know, us. You have the same composer as Get Out, mm-hmm. and somebody that had never done film scores before, which I think is pretty incredible, and I think has done a great job both times. Out cinematography. Agree with you, though. The Lighthouse was really well done. Oh yeah, and it's been nominated for an actual Oscar in that one. Which is yeah, why I wanted to give. Uh, give some credit to us on that because the lighthouse is already nominated for a real Oscar. Yeah. And with editing, I might throw, you know, just your way, uh, one cut of the dead I thought was edited very well. That's true. Lots of long, long takes, but I'm sure there's lots of little edits in there, you know, to make everything seem seamless. Oh yeah. And I will give this to Dr. Shock cause I know he loves this movie. I just didn't care for the character. So I never got invested in it, but the cinematography for climax is really, mm-hmm. really solid. Um, I, so I can't argue that. Um, I want to talk about documentaries and the two that were kind of in contention for me for best documentaries this year. One is one that I contributed to crowdfunding, uh, in search of darkness, um, which is a lot of fun about eighties horror. Uh, they skipped over some movies that I would wish they would have, you know, included, um, Mm -hmm. when I was watching, but it's, you know, it's like four, four and a half hours of interviews and clips. And it's just, it's a lot of fun. Um, but I would have to give the Oscar for best documentary to horror noir, um, horror noir. I mean, Oh man, easily one of my three favorite horror document documentaries ever. Um, it's right up there with the documentary about the psycho shower scene. It's, it may be right behind it. I mean, it's, I just think it's a fantastic documentary. It's, it's right up there, uh, above like, uh, camp crystal Lake memories and, um, which is basically just a talking head documentary. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of fun, but, um, I, I loved horror noir. It's on shutter. If you haven't seen it, you need to see it. You will never watch the original King Kong the same way <laughs> again. Yep. 
Yeah, uh, horror noir is one that I would definitely put on that list. Uh, Wrinkles the Cr- the Clown as well is one that not a lot of people are talking about. The really weird movie. Um, I think it's short too. It's it's under an hour and a half, but it was entertaining. Had a few twists, had a few turns. Um, just an interesting subject on those 2016 clown sightings. I know that Josh, uh, Wolfman Josh, didn't care for it that much. I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, and I, I can see why. I didn't care for it for the first 40 minutes, I would say. But then they throw something at you that really puts everything in perspective. And from then on, I was kind of hooked. All right, fair enough. I'll have to check it out then. Um, I do want to give a shout out to the production design of Dr. Sleep, how mm-hmm. well they did. The Overlook looks perfect. Yep. It yeah, looks definitely. perfect. There are some other things they do, but the Overlook just looks fantastic. I thought the production design um, on it was absolutely um, superb. Um, so I would uh, throw that into the mix as well. So let me ask you this. Will you watch the Oscars next week? Probably. And it, maybe not the whole thing. I won't probably sit down and watch the whole thing because like we mentioned earlier, there's a lot of pomp to it. There's a lot of circumstance. You know, they just talk and talk and talk and introduce the introduction. Um, and then they've got to torture you. You know, they, they put like the most boring categories at the beginning so that you got to sit until they get to best picture and, and best actor and stuff like that. But um I um, I am looking forward to it. I am looking forward to seeing if the Lighthouse wins, um, what Once Upon a Time will get while it's there, because I loved both of those movies. But I'm predicting um, big blowouts for those dramas that the Oscars love so much, and maybe Once Upon a Time in Hollywood will get a, a good piece of that. Yeah, it seems like the betting favorite for Best Picture right now is 1917. Some say yeah, Parasite they- is a dark horse that would be that would be the first um, foreign film to win Best Picture, I think, in a long time, if not ever. Well, Ro- I, didn't Roma win? I thought Roma won. Did it year. win Best Picture? I don't. I, I thought don't, it did. I it, it might did. have, but yeah. um, it it would be nice to see that nominated and win because it does have horror elements in it. But it would be just like Get Out, which won Best Screenplay, in that they don't consider it horror. They would probably consider it a drama, or or a dark comedy. But um. What I would like to see happen is people go up there, accept their awards, and they give a shout-out to some horror films, because <laughs> that would be interesting. Yes. It would give some perspective to everybody in the audience. Um, but I'm really hoping that the White House at least gets that Best Cinematography um, award. And, of course, 1917 is going to win, like, 30 things, because it's a war movie. And those always yeah. get everything. It does seem like it's Sam Mendes' year for, for mm-hmm. 1917, Definitely. which is a shame, because I really wanted Quentin to... To, to get it. I, I, I want Once Upon a Time in Hollywood to win, but I am a Quentin Tarantino fanboy. I will admit that. Um, I mean, we talked for three and a half hours about him on this podcast. Exactly. I'm just, I'm a huge fan. I would love to see. I thought it was really inventive, really bold. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought the cast was great. It's when Leonardo DiCaprio gives a good performance and he's the weakest link. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a sign of a great cast. Um, and so it's uh, there's some there's some great humor in it. There's some great uh, action in it. There are twists in it. Um, it. It's really, really well done. I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Nothing against 1917. Sam mm-hmm. Mendes is a great director. Um, it's a fine film. Um, I don't think it's as inventive or as gutsy as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Sure. And I also would love if Quentin Tarantino would at least win Best Director. It'd be great to know that a guy won Best Director is holding the statute for Best Director (laughs) who loves the mutilator. Yep. Yeah, that would be great. (laughs) Yeah, and was the sleazy brother in the, what's that movie called? From Dawn Till Dusk, is that From what it's Dust called? From Dusk Till Dawn. From yeah. Dusk Till Dawn, there, I got it all mixed around. I got Once Upon a Time uh, in Hollywood on the mind. I'm thinking it'll definitely be 1917, because they do love a drama war film. I mean, we saw that with Dunkirk, though I don't think it won Best Picture. It won every single other award. It pretty much swept that award show. Um, same with Saving Private Ryan, but whatever. I mean, it's still getting recognized being nominated. Well, they could split the difference. I mean, Saving Private Ryan didn't win Best Picture, that year i think it went to shakespeare and love but spielberg won best director and so maybe that could happen if tarantino gets a best director you know um statute 
and they hand Best Picture to 1917. I'm not going to complain. You know, that's that's okay. You know, Tarantino has an Oscar for Best Original Screenplay, but I'd love to see him get an Oscar for Best Director because, according to him, he's going to do one more movie and not direct again. He may write screenplays, he may produce, but that's it. That's and, sad. And it's, and it's, I seriously doubt that if he gets to do his Star Trek movie, that's going to win a Best Picture or Best Director no. for him. I don't think that would be the last one for him either. I think that would be a side project for him in his mind. Um, uh, because, I mean, I respect him. I, I do respect that mentality where you don't do a movie unless you have a good idea, and once you've gotten a few good ones out, you stop, because eventually your good ideas aren't going to be so good anymore. So, um I do respect him for that. I hope he does win something, get some kind of recognition. But even if he doesn't, I mean, he's a legend already. We all know that Quentin Tarantino is huge in the industry and has a huge uh, appreciation for horror movies. I mean, we saw that with Eli Roth's History of Horror, that two-and-a-half-hour episode where he talked about not only critically acclaimed movies like Rosemary's Baby, but also The Mutilator, like you you said, and uh, lots lots of B-movies. And My Bloody Valentine, and yeah, I mean, he's seen them all, and he loves them all. You can tell he loves them all. I mean, the new Beverly, you know, he he owns a lot of those, you know, prints that he plays, and a lot of them are, you know, 70s and 80s horror films, so I hope he gets it, I, 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 but who knows, maybe if he doesn't, if they spurn Mr. Tarantino, maybe that'll be, you know, the motivation to keep making films, and look, I understand where he's coming from, you know. Bob Dylan, who I know you love, Mm -hmm. the musician Bob Dylan, said that he doesn't know why, you know, artists at a certain age just hit, you know, a wall Mm -hmm. and can't seem to to recapture it. But then the late 90s, Dylan kind of recaptured it there for a while. You know, he produced a number of good albums. Johnny Cash had a huge comeback in the 90s and early aughts after having a really dismal late 70s and 80s mm-hmm. but you look at scorsese we watched the irishman together which we both agree was a great movie yep yeah and and well i would say with scorsese he never really hit rock bottom he just kind of went up and down uh, like the departed was amazing and he won an oscar for that but then he had a few you know bumps in the road in between his, his big hits but tarantino has mostly a clean track record He's a huge horror movie fan, which is one of the reasons we love him. And we did talk about him on a three and a half hour podcast. So if you're looking, if you're looking to hear us talk about Tarantino more instead of instead of straight horror, we do talk about him on the, those two episodes. Actually, it was split up because it was too long. Yeah, it's true. But we did mention on that that Tarantino said he would never do a slasher because he's too close to the genre. Which mm-hmm. I, I mean, when you're, you're saying I can't make a slasher because I love them too much, yep. what does that say about you? So, exactly. all right. So, what else do you want to talk about with in, in regard to the Oscars? Anything else? Well, I just want to leave, you know, with one kind of closing remark, which is um, the Oscars, you know, don't really mean anything. It's sort of like um, an MVP award, I think, in sports oftentimes, in that um, it's it's really just you either know exactly what it's going to be and it's kind of a boring pick, or it comes out of left field and leaves everybody scratching their heads. Um, and the Oscars, don't they don't really mean anything. It's just recognition for a film. Um, but it would be nice just to have a horror movie, you know, get some really great recognition, bring some um, some class to the genre in other people's minds, and uh, it'll give us something to, to take pride in as a genre fan. Yeah, absolutely. But let's face it, I mean, the last the last film that I consider a horror film that won Best Picture was Silence of the Lambs. And, mm-hmm. Back you know, in the 90s. Yeah, ninety. Yeah, for ninety-one. So yeah, we're we're talking about twenty-nine years ago, and so and there have been some awesome horror films made since then that the Academy has just ignored. But that's what they're going to do. But like we we started off with, you know, I knew Academy Award members who voted despite the fact that they don't, they'd only seen three or four films. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's how Titanic won Best Picture. <laughs> <laughs> that might be it. <laughs> There's no now, other reason for it. Let me ask you: If Tom Atkins was in uh, was in Titanic, would you like it any better? Was if the stash yeah. was in Titanic? Not even the stash could save Titanic. What? No, no way. I think no. if his mustache could hold up the entire boat as it was sinking. <laughs> well, now if that happened, we were we got something different. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So, 
Well, folks, that's about about does it for us. Now, look at that. I mean, this is going to end up after editing to be less than 50 minute podcast with our horror Oscars Academy. Take note. Well, you know, um, you can follow us on Twitter at Father Son Horror and you can check out our website, Father and Son Watch We also have an Instagram page and a closed Facebook page. Where can people find you on social media, buddy? You can keep up with me on Twitter at Kane underscore Hero12. That's K-A-I-N-E underscore Hero12. I'm also on Letterboxd at Kane Hero, no spaces. Um, and I've got a YouTube channel, which I've linked in my bio on both those websites. Yes, you do. And and so we want to give a speaking of YouTube channels, so give a shout out to Dr. Shock and his mm -hmm. great YouTube videos that uh, he's doing. Um, and we gave a shout out to podcast last week, but that didn't survive. We just want to say, you know, as we kind of uh, wrap up our cycle here from 2019, we want to thank uh, all the great podcasts out there that we love and enjoy. Uh, uh, horror movie podcast, Land of the Creeps, Retro Movie Geek, you know, uh, the as you brought up last week, the Huh <laughs> podcast. Yeah, one uh, of our favorites. Those people are great. I mean, we we had a, them with a podcast episode. We've mentioned it several times. We had them on an episode. They were great guests talking about some really interesting things. But our editing software, just as with last week's episode that we were supposed to record, just kind of doesn't work for us. The gremlins, they just don't want us to put out uh, content. Oh, man. So we will have a Patreon account dropping sometime soon with bonus episodes that will be behind a, a paywall and so well, at some point we'll be asking for uh, just two dollars and fifty cents a month for those bonus episodes and also uh, with that you can send us your picks for what movies we should review and all kind of fun stuff to keep this podcast going and to help keep jackson from being a starving film student just an extremely hungry film student. I've been eating ramen. I, I need some help. <laughs> ramen and, and pennies off the ground. I mean, I need to finance my film somehow. That's right. So, oh, man, you can follow me, Pastor Matt R., on Twitter and on Letterboxd and Instagram. We thank you for listening. Please share this podcast with your friends. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and we review. We would appreciate a five-star review. So, Thanks again. Have fun watching the Oscars, though. Probably fun is a strong word. <laughs> so say goodnight to the good people, Jackson. Good night, And remember to send us your thoughts online because they're likely more informed than ours. <laughs> At least more informed than, than uh, you know, well, one of us, and that would be me. Uh, more informed than me. So I don't I definitely don't have my my head to the ground at all for this. this these were all based on my opinion, and that has proven to not be 100 uh, percent accurate in that I really like some of the Children of the Corn sequel. So we're just going to leave it at that. Well, hey, man, look at it this way. You know, Martin Scorsese had a long conversation with Joe Bob Briggs about what was the best women in prison movie. So, mm. and that's Scorsese. That's Scorsese. So, mm -hmm. you know, hey, Children of the Corn sequels, not much better than, you know, women in prison movies. That, so. that, that very well might be true. So you're basically saying I'm Scorsese. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> if you become Scorsese, just remember your old man when I'm old and feeble and drooling on myself, so, which is probably only weeks away. So, all right. So, remember, folks, the family that watches horror together stays together. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>